Welcome to Artworks for Teachers. I'm your host, Susan Riley. I'm an educator, entrepreneur, and arts integration evangelist. Each week, we'll explore how teachers can crack the code of creativity and use it as a hidden advantage in and out of the classroom. You'll hear from authors, artists, and educators sharing their stories and their strategies for unlocking the power of curiosity and creativity. Let's get going. Hey everyone, I'm Susan Riley, the founder of the Institute for Arts Integration and STEAM and the host of our new podcast, Art Works for Teachers. Now, if you don't know anything about the Institute or me or this show, um, I just give, I'll give you a brief introduction. So, um, I'm an arts integration specialist. I am an entrepreneur. I taught music, K5 music for about 10 years. And then I went into central office as an arts integration specialist for one of the largest systems in the state of Maryland. And the entire time that I was doing that, I was documenting um, the process for arts integration through a small little blog called Education Closet. That blog has turned into the Institute for Arts Integration and STEAM with fully accredited courses and membership programs and certifications for arts integration and STEAM for teachers. We get the honor and privilege of working with over 800,000 educators each and every month through our site. It's phenomenal. And so, um, and I have a team of fantastic educators that I get to work with every single day to help teachers everywhere beget, become and increase creativity in the classroom. So um, it's really exciting to be here with you. Now, the Institute has had several podcast shows over the last several years. Uh, we started with the Creatively Connected podcast, which is now the K-12 Art Chat podcast. And Matt and Laura Grendler are doing an amazing job um, on taking that to flight. Um, we've had um, teaching trailblazers where we've highlighted teachers who are doing amazing things. We've had the Spark Chasers podcast where I shared specifics on how to use arts integration. Um, and we had last year the Artist Chronicle series, which is actually a podcast made just for kids. And it's an artist mystery series. So that was really fun to produce so that we could kind of spotlight artists that perhaps students didn't weren't aware of or didn't know about. And they got to learn about these amazing artists in all kinds of disciplines. This podcast, though, um, I'm super excited about, if you can't tell, um, because I think it's going to cover a broad scope for educators. And particularly right now, it's something that we all need. So the Art Works for Teachers title is a play on words. It's a little tongue in cheek, right? Um, because it's not about artworks in terms of identifying specific artworks that you can use in the classroom. Although, sneak peek, I am going to offer some of those a little bit later on in the series. But it's actually mean, meaning that art works, that is actually doing a great job in and out of the classroom um, for teachers. So it can be a tool that you can use to bring in more creative ideas and thoughts from your students. It can also be a wonderful uh, tool to experience in and of itself. And it can be something that inspires your own creative joy and brings you back to where uh, you want to be as an educator. If you listened to the trailer, and if you haven't, you can go back and, and listen to it. And it's really brief. It's only about a minute. 
Uh, but we talk about this idea of can we save education? Because quite frankly, the last 24 months, um, we've noticed, I think, as a collective, as an educational community, that education has now changed forever. It will never be what it was prior to the, the 2020 pandemic. Um, and it's just something we have to acknowledge. But with all of that said, with the, the teachers leaving and the administrators having limited choices and our students having been through trauma and needing to learn how to, how to school again, right? Um, is there a way to save this? And I passionately believe that the arts are an avenue to do so. So part of the reason that we're beginning this podcast and what I'm excited for is to take a look at how do the arts do that. And I know that I can't do that alone. So um, part of what this podcast will be is interviews with authors and artists and creatives and entrepreneurs and leaders and coaches, anyone who has had creative experiences and can share their journey with us so that we can kind of look for these creative clues that they leave. Um, I think with any kind of a story, there is a clue or something that we can take along with us um, as in, on our own journey, right? And so um, I'm going to be interviewing lots of different people as well as sharing my own perspectives with you so that you have these little nuggets of, of gold that you can take with you and slowly begin refilling your creative cup. I think something that is has been missed in all of the the talk about teacher shortages and uh, moving into different career paths, something that we talk a lot about is burnout. But what we don't talk about is how do you recover from burnout? And um, I myself have dealt with this. Many people on my staff have dealt with this, particularly because of the pervasive negative thinking that's going on in the world. And even if you're the most positive person ever, when you're surrounded by lots of negative thinking, it can take a toll. And it's not just about positive thinking and, and willing it in, right? It's more about the idea that negative thinking is not just the opposite of positive thinking. Negative thinking has been an underlying current of negativity that's running its energy in and through all of us. And so that's going to take a toll, right? It's going to zap you of your joy. And so my question is, how do we get it back? How do we get back our passion? How do we get back the creativity that spurs us forward? Because I do believe that creativity is the fingerprint of the human spirit. Every single person has something inside of them that lights them up and that you could do forever. Lots of scientists call that flow. Um, but I really think that's your creative genius. So how do we tap back into that and refill that cup so that we can then find joy in what we're doing with or without students, right? So that's kind of the idea of the show and what we're going to be covering. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, mm, this makes me a little uncomfortable right now, right? Like I... I'm not quite sure that this is right for me because I'm not a creative person or um, I'm not really looking to use more creative approaches in my classroom right now. I'm just really trying to get the kids caught up um, and that's taking every bit of effort that I have. I totally hear you. Um, and that's why we're taking the approach that we are in this show in that it's not going to be all tactical. 
I'm a hugely tactical person. I love strategies. I love having a plan. Um, I'm that typical type A person that loves the step-by-step, right? Um, One of the biggest learnings for me in the last 24 months is that not everything has a plan. Not everything has a strategy. And sometimes you need to look outside of your comfort zone in order to refill your well, in order for you to um, kind of reimagine what you look like again, right? And so that's why when I'm interviewing authors during the show, you're going to find that some of them are are educators or education-based. Some of them are just fun. Like some of them are from fictional reads that I just dove into this summer and I loved them. And I want you to hear from those authors about their creative process and, and their own journeys with creativity so that no matter what, you get a little spark of something. So, um, which this reminds me of something that happened not too long ago, um, with my own family. So, you know, with the last 24 months, we've, we've all learned how to, um, be with our families or when we need time alone from our families. Right. And so I'm fortunate enough, um, in most days that I live about five miles away from most of my family members, both on my side and on my husband's side. And so my parents actually live on a farm. Um, it's a working cattle farm. My parents are in their late 60s, headed into their 70s, and they're still working this farm. Um, I grew up on a dairy farm. They, When, when I moved back uh, to this area in Maryland, they decided to follow me, but find a farm where they could work it in a way that honors the area itself. So they have heritage breed cows and chickens and pigs that would have grown here in the 1700s when this area was founded, which is is great, right? Um, So I have loved being able to take my daughter over there to the farm and to be able to visit it. And especially during the pandemic, to be able to get out into nature was something that I needed desperately. And um, so one day, my my mom had this morning glory that she had planted. And I don't know if you know what a morning glory is. It's kind of like a vine. It has this beautiful uh, flower. Uh, usually they're purple in it that blooms in the morning. And then they will literally close up in the afternoon, kind of save their energy. I like that, by the way. <laughs> I'm good in the morning. My afternoon, I, I kind of close up just like that, right? Um, and it's a vine. So it can, it can really climb very high. Um, and I, I just love it as a flower. My mom likes to plant them because it's an easy thing that that you can plant that that brings a little happiness, right? Um, doesn't take a lot to take care of it. Well, this particular morning glory um, patch that she had going on, she had to dig them all out and re- and replant them elsewhere on the farm because they had decided to build a farmer's market building in this particular location. So she had to to move them all and transplant them, and she had done that. And then they had built this building. And um, I know she had been sad because particularly where she had had those morning glories, it was just, it was right in front of the driveway. It looked really beautiful. Um, so one morning when I went over to the farm um, during the pandemic, I was I was headed over there just to kind of grab some eggs and, and some meat that I needed. And I pulled up onto the parking pad and I noticed on the other side of the concrete pad where the original morning glories had been there were new morning glories growing. 
And so I walked in to the market and I, I told my mom, I was like, mom, you were never going to believe this, but there's a morning glory going, morning glory growing over here. And so how did, like, did you plant that? Or she said, no, what happened was that there was a root system that's, that we hadn't completely dug up when we put the concrete pad in. And over the winter, that vine kept growing and growing and reaching for the, the break of light that was on the other side of that concrete pad. And it finally found it. And now it's growing again. So why do I say this, right? Right. Why am I bringing this up? Um, for me, what that taught me was that you can still be persistent in seeking the light, no matter how bad it is, no matter how dark it is, you can still persist and continue to grow and push and seek the light that's on the other side. It's where everything else lives. It's right on the other side of your discomfort. So if you're feeling a little uncomfortable right now thinking about, I'm not that creative of a a person, I want to challenge you to be the morning glory. I want you to think about, even if this might not quite be my cup of tea, is there something that I can reach for? Is there something that I can, can reach out and see if I can find the light? Because it may give you what exactly it is that you need. So how do you start or continue to spark creativity in your classroom? If this is the crux of it, and we believe that creativity, the power of the arts themselves, are going to be what helps to save education and turn it around, right? How do we start or continue that? I really think that the easiest way to begin is to start with committing to curiosity. If you think about it, Every creative nugget starts as a kernel of curiosity. So being able to question, being able to think about why is that that way or where is something or how do I do something? It's this little spark of creativity that you begin with or curiosity rather that leads you to the next piece and that to the next piece after that and after that. And soon before you know it, you're creating and you're, you're seeking that creative, you know, um, feeling that you get. So you want to be open to observing and asking questions and to see where they take you, right? Oftentimes, I think we're afraid to ask those questions um, because we're afraid of where it's going to lead, right? We kind of anticipate this is going to take me someplace that I am not currently familiar with, and that makes me nervous. So one of the places to begin with with creativity is being open to curiosity and being open to where that curiosity takes you. Not only you as a person, you as a teacher, because that will spark a whole lot of insights, right? So if we're thinking about this from our teacher lens, you could be seeking a new teaching method. You could be looking for a new way to do your grades so that you're not working until midnight every night trying to get it all done, right? You could be seeking if you're if you're having issues with a student and that you just can't seem to get through to them. You could be looking for something and being curious about why is it that I can't seem to break through there? Where is that going to take me and be open to where those questions lead, right? There's so many ways that that can can work as a teacher. If we think about it in our personal lives, being open to curiosity allows us to personally grow, right? To think and consider, 
is this something I want to keep doing? If it is something I want to keep doing, but I'm still, I'm still feeling this way. Where are the areas that are holding me back? What are the things that I need to focus on? What are the other things that I need to let go of? These curious questions and then being open to the answers that, that we find, right? Um, and not judging the answers that we find. I think that is key to really opening up our, um, our ability to be creative. And if we think about how to use this with our students, um, lots of times students don't know how to be curious. I think this is really interesting when we start as very young children, right? So I'm talking about pre-K, kindergarten, we're playing and that is how we see curiosity, right? That's how it's naturally a part of, of what we do as children is what does this do? And how do I, how does that work? And soon before you know it, you're over on the playground and you've created a castle somewhere and a moat with something else that you didn't know about, right? You just kind of build upon the curiosity. And somewhere along the way, we lose that. And when I was teaching elementary school, I really saw that happen in third and fourth grade. By fifth grade, students were not nearly as curious or open to curiosity as my youngest students were. And so they forget. They forget how to be curious and then what to do with that curiosity um, once they find it right? So one of the activities that I use is called Observe Your Own Art Venture. And so if you're watching this on YouTube, you're going to see me share my screen in just a second um, so that you can see what the, the handout looks like. If you're listening to me, you don't, you can't visually see it. You can always come back to artsintegration.com forward slash artworks, and you can download the, um, the activity that I'm going to share with you today. And that happens on every episode, by the way. So there will always be a, uh, a downloadable that you can use. All right. So the art venture worksheet, here's, I love this, um, particular worksheet because it again, gives your students the opportunity to one, make choices and two, pursue curiosity. So in the Observe Your Own uh, Art Adventure, art venture, we give them three specific pieces. So in the worksheet example that I'm sharing, I have a visual art piece um, called Reflecting Pool Capital from Sarah Morris, who is the artist. I have um, something called Box Street Prelude, which is a piece of music from Vanessa May as the artist. She is a, an electric violinist. And there's a stepping routine, a stepping dance routine from the Bryan Station High School um, where students could watch their step routine. So students get to select one of these options. And so they may choose to look at the piece of artwork that is being shared. They might want to listen to the piece of music or they might want to watch the dance. Either one, doesn't matter. Um, there are links to each of them on the, the worksheet as well as a QR code. So if they have uh, their devices with them, they could scan them. And if they're on a laptop or a computer, they could click on it and then be able to see it in larger um, in a, in a larger viewer um, or listen to it if they need to. So they're going to pick one of these pieces and it's important that they only pick one because you need to, it's a, it's an observation routine. So they pick one and they're going to observe their piece for three minutes. Um, and while they're observing it, they're going to write down everything that comes into their brain while they're observing it. 
So if they're looking at a piece of at the piece of artwork, they might write down, I notice a variety of colors. There's a lots of there's lots of reds and pinks, there's some like uh yellow green, there's lots of lines, there's intersections. They could Go on and on. Everything that you can get down in three minutes, you're going to put onto the worksheet. Um, Same for if you're listening or if you're watching the step routine. Anything that your brain comes up with, you're going to write it down into the um, observation area. Once they've done that, and you need to allow them the full three minutes to do it because it's going to make them uncomfortable after about 30 seconds. After 30 seconds, they're going to think they have everything written down that that they need. And so the remaining <laughs> two and a half minutes, they're going to be sitting there kind of like, huh, is there anything else? Is there anything else? Right. And they'll surprise themselves with what else they notice. Right. What else they're observing. Then after they've done that, they're going to observe their piece again for two more minutes. So they're going to start it again, but they're not going to write anything down. They're just going to look at it or listen for two full minutes. And what this is going to do is allow the brain time to make additional connections. The synapses in our brain um, often are firing at such a rapid pace that we don't even notice other things that are right in front of us. Okay. Um, And this is to protect our brains because it's receiving so much visual and aural information at any given moment. I think it's like 60,000 pieces of information are coming to your brain every single second. There's no way that your brain is able to notice all of it. So just by slowing down for an additional two minutes without anything else to do is going to allow your brain to deeply observe what whatever it is in your art piece that you've chosen. After those two minutes are over, you're going to observe the piece again. This time you're not going to have a time limit. And as you're observing again, and you've had those two minutes to make those additional connections, look back at the writing that you did originally and think about what questions now come up. Now that I've had time to write down everything I was thinking and then take time to observe it again, what questions come up for me about this piece? And you write them down. This is where you get curious, right? Part of curiosity is just having time. After you get those things written down, you're going to look at the questions above and then select your top two and think about, is this really what I want to know? Those top two questions that come to the surface for you. It might be, who is this artist? Or it might be, um, why did she choose the electric violin? I don't care. Whatever it is, pick your top two. Is it what you really want to know? If the answer is yes, You're going to use those questions to research and find your answers and share them with others. And you have a space to write that below. If it's not, write down a better question, right? Write down a better question that gets to the heart of what you want to know. And then use that question to research and find your answer, share it with others and write it. So this art venture worksheet um, helps students to really work on their curiosity skills, their observation skills, being able to slow down and make connections that they might not have otherwise seen. This is also a great activity for us as educators. So if we're doing this with our students, I actually highly recommend that you do this yourself. Um, And you might want to print off three pieces and do all three so that you can experience each of the three 
Um, and then kind of talk about that as a class, which is a great conversation to have, particularly at this time of year. I'm recording this in September, which is the beginning of the year for most people. So when you're thinking about a beginning of the year activity where you're getting to know people, getting to know the questions they kind of ask, where their stumbling points are, this is a great low risk opportunity to do that. Okay, so I hope that you found value in that activity. Um, One of the reasons that it works so well is that it helps us to ask better questions. When you get to that section, that number five, when it's asking, what questions do you really want to know? It forces us to be better listeners and observers on purpose. Oftentimes we're observing lots of different things going on, right? This allows us to observe on purpose, which is a very different thing. It allows us to listen on purpose. And that's a whole skill in and of itself. Honey Rock Center for Leadership Development um, does this really well with their three-step process for better questions, which is um, what, so what, and now what, right? So what happens? What did you notice? What is over here, right? Then so what? So you notice that. So what is different about it? What's interesting about it. Um, And then once you've identified that, now what, right? Now what do we do next? Um, We're going to be going into more detail about how to ask better questions in a later episode. So um, I'm not going to go into a ton of detail about that now, but this is a great starting off point to allow us to really explore that curiosity, which will then lead us to more creativity. So does art work for teachers? I think that in this podcast series, This is going to be our curiosity marker, right? We're going to take a look at art from as many different angles that as we can find from authors to teachers to makers and artists so that we can continue to explore this idea of what does creativity really mean? What does it look like and how do we use it to elevate what it is that we're already doing? So until next time, stay curious and creative. And if you know another educator who could use this podcast, I'd be honored if you would share it with them. I look forward to our journey together. Thanks for listening to the Artworks for Teachers podcast. This has been a production from the Institute for Arts Integration and STEAM. Be sure to tune in each Thursday for new episodes and head over to artsintegration.com forward slash artworks to download the accompanying resources. And if you know another educator who could use creative inspiration, please share this with them. Together, we can make a difference in education today.